Last week we started with the, the new wine, the new bottles, and most of that was, had to do with the container. But today we're going to talk about the content, all right? So let me rehearse just a little bit. Of things that we said, we, as containers, are responsible for not only preserving the container, but also the content. There must be a proper relationship between the content and the container. All right? And the key, of course, without complicating it, is that we must be flexible. We must be flexible to preserve both of them. Uh, We are to be careful not to treat good things as ultimate things. Our spiritual practices must not become markers of salvation when the Creator has not made them such. And for insight on that, we do, of course, have that on the web. People who are married to the past cannot embrace the future. It's important to give things a light touch. Don't condemn old concepts and behaviors within the framework of the growth of the church and the development of the church. Some things that are held by the yesterday must be released in order to preserve that which is of greater value. Today, I want to talk about the content and we all have learned to receive a particular way. And within that framework, we develop the dimensions of the Holy Spirit by which, you know, we find ourselves, you know, uh, most attached to. But today we want to look at a fresh look at the content. All right? Uh, many people have different ideas about the Holy Spirit and how it works. This is not my writing here. I'm going to use somebody else's just for a moment to introduce you. Let me get the scriptures first because once I get going, that's, you know, I'll get tripped up, you know, because I got to stop. Here we go. No one sows a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled. The wineskins are ruined, both the content and the container. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. 
Behold, I will do a new thing, and now shall it spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have the kept, you have kept the good wine until now. We will get to those passages of scriptures in our subject this morning. Let me start again. A lot of people have different ideas about the Holy Spirit and how he works. And within that framework, we often try to define and catalog the work of the Holy Spirit and how he goes about his his work. And uh, so anyway, starting with that, a little story. If you're familiar with the church, we find ourselves oftentimes divided. And yet, of course, that is just the opposite of what Jesus said, and we have our grounds by which we are divided. And we have a tendency to separate ourselves as such because we conclude that the Holy Spirit works the same every time. He doesn't. He's God. And he really doesn't pay much attention to how you think he should work. The truth is that God often touches us in different ways. And if I were to go to each one here this morning, you know what I mean? And you tell me your story of your encounters with God and they would all be different. But of course... None of yours are as great as mine. (laughs) Now, that's not a true statement, but. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. And so I read how a pastor gave this illustration. And uh, the townspeople were so appreciative about, you know what I mean, what what had taken place because. There was a blind man found in the village and they laid their hands on him and prayed over the man and he was healed completely. And so because of that appreciation, they built a church and they called it the first church of the laying out of hands and healings. And so in the next village... They found another blind man. Jesus spits on the ground and makes some mud and applies it to the man's eyes and he tells him to go and wash in the pool and the man receives his sight. The townspeople are so overjoyed that they decide to start church. 
Of course, in Jesus' honor, and they called it the first church of here's mud in your eye and be healed. <laughs> and Jesus goes to the third village and he finds a third blind man there. By the way, this is in scripture, except the church building. But it gives you an idea if you've been around, you know, down the road. So Jesus says, if you go wash in this pool seven times, you'll receive your sight back. So the man does as Jesus says. And townspeople says, you know, let's build a church. I'm going to call it the first church of the washing seven times in healing. So the Lord calls all these people together in fellowship. And over the course of time, they begin to break down over their doctrinal discussions is, is how healing should take place. One group said... You can't be healed unless you lay hands on those who are sick. Second group said, that's fine, but if you forget the mud in your eye, it doesn't work. <laughs> the third group says, you guys only have part of the truth. Washing seven times is the real key. The reality is, their judgments was based upon a sliver of the insight that God had given to each individual. It was the, the culmination. It wasn't, you know, the alpha and the, the omega of it. Now, just a little insight about that. And I am not here, you know, to divide. I am not here to question your your encounters, nor am I here to exalt my encounters. I'm here to just talk about, really, the importance of the container and the content. Yes. The age of the Holy Spirit that world of the Holy Spirit as he spoke about that there was a thirst quencher that was coming and that thirst quencher he referenced as being the Holy Spirit so many of us know the story you know of the coming of the Holy Spirit and there are characteristics about it that we discussed about this new wine and how it often is immature. It needs time. It needs space, you know, in order to mature. And while we need markers to help guide us, those markers must not become cathedrals. We must not exalt the containers over the content. Yes. In being new wineskins or new containers, it is simply making room for the breath of the Holy Spirit in our midst, in our lives. Yes, the container is important. But it's what's in the container that is more important. Second, I got it here. 
we have this treasure, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of power may be of the content and not the container. Excellency of power may be of God and not of, of us. Amen? You see, it's the treasure that is to be honored more than the container. We are a culture that is attracted to containers. Thus missing the content. Because it's the, or it's what's in the container that counts the most. I shall be in you. I shall be in you. The word new things is has to do with that which is distinctive for right now. Yes. In Jesus, often times in his teachings and in this about the new wine and the vessels, he's summing it up is that you've received me in one way and now I'm coming to you in a another or different way of impartation. Would you agree with me? And you don't need to shake your head either way because I don't want you to be wrong. <laughs> All right. But we have a concept of how the Holy Spirit works. And we look for those in order to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. We catalog and we define the Holy Spirit's way. And he's so much more than just the container. And to get an insight on that, please listen to last week's. But today I want to talk about the content. The content. First of all, when he speaks of wine, he's speaking of renewal of love and intimacy with God. It was the Song of Solomon that talked about and gives us a picture of the relationship you know, of the bride and the bridegroom. And he says that we'll rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. A correlation in that. In the new wine season, 
the Spirit is wooing you. Now let me ask, have you felt any drawings? Have you felt, you know, a calling, a, a, a wanting to get closer? Has your personal, I'm not talking about now the corporate, but has your personal life on a daily basis or however basis it might be, have you found that that, you know what I mean, seems to be pulling you? The container must have a rejuvenating for the new wine. It must have a go through a process of tenderizing, of softening. It talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit. We took communion today and for the purpose of recalling, for the purpose of identifying a relationship that we have. It's about fellowship. It's about being together. Yes, it's about love and intimacy. The wine in the container is enacting a relationship. Drawing us closer. When this new wine that he talks about begins to function and operate, he's telling us that the trial period or the pressing of the grape time is giving away to the joy of the season that follows the pressing. Are you hearing me? That crushing now, as a pastor, I get to hear about, at least here and there, the challenges, some of the difficulties, some of the, what we call, you know, the crushing. It's not designed to crush you. It's designed to turn us. It's designed to bring us into closeness so that we might drink of the fruit of the vine. Yes, it is necessary to turn the grapes into wine. Hallelujah. If you've been through the crushing, 
lift up your hands because it's time for an outpouring. We will see that in the framework of the Holy Spirit. This which is being poured in, this wine or the content, it means it's time for harvest. I will do a new thing. I will put my spirit within you. There is a new wine. It's time for harvest. Deuteronomy 11 and 14 says, I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in grain, new wine, and olive oil. It speaks of a harvest from God. It's abundant and overflowing. The book of Amos said, new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. See, I don't believe that these are just millennium scriptures. Do I believe that they have their fulfillment in the millennium? Yes, I do. When it becomes a reality in the plains of this God's promised land. But all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. How do we get to the New Testament? By the prophecy from the Old Testament. Jesus becomes the fulfillment of it. There will be a new wine dripping. When the new wine is in us, there is a celebration that wine is put to bring into our lives. It's a time of great joy and a time of great celebration. It's a time of anticipation. You don't put new wine into old bottles. You have to prepare the bottle for the new wine. Because the new wine creates celebration. Oh, hallelujah. Why are your disciples not fasting? Well, because the bridegroom is with them. Celebration because of anticipation. Jeremiah 48 says, Joy and gladness would be ours. It says when the wine is caused to fail, that joy and gladness ceases. I'm going to tell myself, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I, a while back I went through and I said, Lord, I just, don't, I just don't have this joy. Now I know how to put one foot in front of the other and I knew, to, you know what I mean? I had to study and I had to do that, but there was something missing. 
So I started to pray. God, I need you to restore my joy. Those people are a headache. Those problems are getting to me. (laughs) The same old, same old. I'm just not really enjoying it anymore, God. But there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of of God. Yes. Have I reached the utopia of it yet? No. But there is an increase. A new flexibility. A celebrating. Just as wine makes glad the heart of man, this new wine makes the heart of the container joyful and celebrating. The new wine speaks of bounty and blessing. Bounty and blessing. He will love you and bless and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your grain, the new wine and oil, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock in the land which we swore to your fathers to give to you. Personal possession. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, talking about when this thing comes. And the young men and the old men shall rejoice together. Let me tell you something. God says, the generations will rejoice together. The old and the young. Somebody give the Lord a praise today. For I will turn. I will turn their mourning to joy. I will comfort them and I will make them rejoice rather than sorrow. Now that's what the new wine does. But the new wine also can be at odds with the container. If the container is not flexible. But you're flexible, right? Sadness and blessing and, and bounty because, but when there is new wine, there's a need for new wineskins. 
yesterday's wineskin is not sufficient for today's new wine. Now, you know me. I'm a very middle-of-the-road person, so you don't have to worry about extremism and off-the-wall stuff. But if we can get principle first, number one principle functioning, just in celebrating, we're going to do real well in terms of our container. (laughs) Because it begins to get in agreement with the content. There must be a container for the content. That's a given. You and I are needed for the content. You're valuable, you're important. And you need to, or we have to go ahead and, you know, discern, you know, what is the characteristic of the content. is to celebrate as one of those characteristics, the anticipation of blessing and bounty. So we prepare for the new, whether it's a new birth, whether it's a new refreshing, sometimes old habits have to go. Sometimes traditions that are exalted above the word of God have to be take second place. As I said, there's a place for traditions, but not first place. The wine of the Holy Spirit. I remember when the, in my time period, when the, um, the new song started to try to make its way in to the hymnal. You know, if you weren't there, just be glad. (laughs) The hymnal was a fantastic expression. It had contained so much. It, It was wonderful. But then God began to, you know what I mean? He said, I will give you a new song. And choruses that started to, to be birthed and, and start to flow, you know. But yet there are those that says, no, we, you know, can't have that. We didn't, thank God. I personally think that there's room for old and new. Because a good man, out of his treasure, 
bringeth forth both old and new. Hallelujah. Not one to dominate, but to harmonize. Because that's what he's saying. He said, no man puts a patch on the new, or the old, excuse me, because it doesn't harmonize. It must be then shrunk first, a process. But what dictates what the container is to be? The content. You don't put the content in the old container, it ain't going to have a, it won't be affected one way or another. Just lay around. But you go ahead and put the new wine in the old container, and it starts to dictate. And it pushes a little bit. It moves a little bit. And the more that it resists, the more difficult it gets for the container. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because the content is not going to stop working. Hallelujah. It can't. It's its nature. It's who it is. Hallelujah. It's been pressed into its liquid form now. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. Basically, he says, he says, if you don't move with it, they're going to bust a hole and it's going to leak out. And you won't have the new or the old. You hear that, church? Both are lost. Come on, church, hear it. Both are lost. I've been through a lot of remakes. Hallelujah. I've been through a lot of remakes. Forgive me now. But I love the new better than the old. (laughs) I didn't at first. But after you drink a while. Now I've never, you know, had any wine. So I don't know anything about the generalities of it in my body, but I do know something about the new wine. This new wine means that God is fulfilling a promise. Yes. It talks about when Jacob receives his inheritance, 
It will be like new grain and new wine. It was the prophet, prophetic word of the great patriarchs who said, may the God of heaven do in earth richness and the abundance of grain and new wine be upon you. Psalms 23, thou repairest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runs over. How many know that's a good day? It's when bad days give way to good days. The new wine. The new wine, of course, is a time of miracles. In John chapter 2, and the miracle of Cana. And through those miracles, Jesus is, is glorified. Let me look at some symbols of the Holy Spirit that are important to gaining, you know, an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is really like and how he and what he does and how he operates. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a rain. Rain has a dual application, to say the least. It's a refreshing for dryness and barrenness. Rain is designed to bring restoration. It was the prophet Joel that begin to prophesy about how that God was going to pour out the former and the latter rain in the first month, and that is simply the harvest rain. And there will be an overflow of new wine and oil. He will restore, and so there's a restoration so when he says, I want to pour in new wine, he's saying, I want to go ahead and make there be an overflow. I want to go ahead and restore that which has been lost. It is a rain that accelerates the harvest. It accelerates the harvest. Yes. It was Ezekiel that said, there shall be showers of blessings, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Showers of blessing. Now, what I love, what the prophet Joel prophesied in the parameters of what he talked about. He said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit on your sons and your daughters. What I love about this new wine that God says, it is a family affair. Yes. He says, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. You know what? We're coming to insights and revelations together. It comes one way to one and a different way to another, but there is a unity and there's a harmony. Hallelujah. 
but it doesn't have to be an old group and a young group. There's just one group. There's only one body. But one spirit are we all baptized into one body, and that body is Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know what I am today. I was raised Pentecost. And I have the experience, but I'm not sure that's what I am. <laughs> because I've been through a lot of changes. Hallelujah. Because I found out that the Holy Spirit is not one-dimensional. He doesn't come in just one way. He has fostered himself in the lives of people in many different ways. Now, lest you think that I'm just simply talking about the material blessings. No, Jesus said, you know what I mean? Life is more than meat and drink. It's about new life in the spirit. He wants us to get the new life in the spirit right. He said the life in the natural, I'll take care of that. But you and I, he says, got to get together on this spirit thing. Because you're the content, or you're the container, but I'm the content. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. Work on me, Holy Spirit. Then he says the Holy Spirit is a river. Rivers, now listen, church. Rivers are channels or conduits to places where refreshing of the water is needed. Yes. Out of your heart shall flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself in rivers and you and I in order that the rain that we have received is not only for our refreshing for ourselves, but it is a refreshing for others. I love to get in the presence of those whose rivers are flowing and you can just feel it. And it gets on your dry spots. Oh, hallelujah. He so wants to overflow as a tributary of the Holy Spirit, full of his life. And as was said today about loving others. The Holy Spirit is a wind. Dick picks power and guidance. Holy Spirit comes at times to launch something. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there was a mighty sound of a rushing wind. What was it doing? It was launching something. Oh, yes. Praise God. Generates the presence of the Lord. Holy Spirit is an oil and an anointing. 
Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians how Christ, we are established with Christ and he has anointed us. Thank you, Jesus. That anointing makes us sensitive. It makes us Holy Spirit sensitive. It's not a superficial optimism, but it's that deep abiding hope. We've been begotten by God. I find it really interesting. I don't know how it works with you. This is how it works with me. I don't have a lot of bad days. You know, I know I don't even have bad days. I might have some bad moments. Okay? I might have some bad moments. I don't think I have any bad days. I have a few bad moments. But what I love about it is that I get in that bad moment and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is there. His hand, you know, he'll tell me something. He'll quote a scripture to me. You know what I mean? He says, ah, snap out of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Real spiritual encounter, right? Huh? Get over it. <laughs> And you got problems, you know? <laughs> yes, it makes us sensitive. And, and of course, we've talked about wine. The Holy Spirit is a fire. Sometimes there's an uncomfortable work that goes on in our lives. The Holy Spirit does that. Those fires, that, those defining encounters. Remember Moses? He had, a, he had a divine encounter. Where did he have his divine encounter? In the wilderness. <laughs> In the wilderness. Yes, church. Hallelujah. Well, I, gotta, I can't keep going down those. Ask my musicians to come this morning. The Holy Spirit is a dove. Sometimes we've got to make room for the Holy Spirit as a dove. Gentle and peaceful. He wants to come and rest upon you and I. Remember. When Jesus was with us, it was God with us. When the Holy Spirit came, it is now God in us. Hallelujah. The content, the content. I'm going to close with this, with a story from John chapter 2. I believe that the miracles that Jesus did and does are designed to be signs just not of his power, but of his person, of his work, and his, his intentions for the world. His intentions for the world. Yes. When he turned the water into wine, one we know so well, 
Wine is not necessary for life like water is. It's a picture of God's superabundant grace. Yes. The wine that makes the heart glad. It's the invitation to participate in God's world. It is the fortifying of God's grace or the wine of his grace. Isaiah 55 says this. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you have no money. Come buy, eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Yes. When he turned the water into wine, it is an indicator of the benevolence of his goodness. I have come that you might have life and that you have more abundantly. John 1, 16, and of his fullness, everybody say fullness. We have all received grace for grace. Think about this now. The volume of water the miracle that happened amounts to approximately this. Six to eight hundred bottles of wine today. I don't know how big the party was. But God went over the top in super abundance. Number two, why does he mention the water pots? Because he is taking that which was designed for purification that had to be done on a regular basis. He says, now with this new order in this new wine, you only need to be washed once by pure water. As many of you has been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Simple little truths. He is also telling us that a greater than Moses is here. Moses was the one that wrote the law for the pots of, or the stones of purification. Jesus is telling them, someone greater than Moses is here. Moses said, there will be a prophet raised up and he will be like me. Nathaniel said, we have found him who Moses wrote about. Oh, hallelujah. Art thou he or do we look for another? Go tell John 
the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the dead come to life. All of this is in the content. It's in the content. Can you give me just two minutes? It says it took place on the third day. I'm trying to show you the value of the content. What it means. Why did he mention the third day? What difference does it make? He mentions the third day. Well, three means divine wholeness, completeness. It is a divine stamp. It means to highlight a thought or event. And so as John is writing this story, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him. I want you to highlight this event. The third day means a fresh start. The new wine is a fresh start. It was on the third day that Abraham saw the place where the Lord provides. It was on the third day that God met his people at Sinai. It was on the third day that Jonah, who was wrapped in seaweeds and in the belly of the whale, found his deliverance. Oh, hallelujah. The third day. It was on the third day that God said he would revive his people that they might live in his sight. It was on the third day of creation when God made it possible for new wine. As you stand with me this morning. It was on the third day that Jesus rose. It was on the third day. And his last audience with them, he said, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine until I drink it new with you in my father's house. So he points to Marriage supper of the Lamb. New wine. It's what it's about. New wine.
and what it means. Yes. So it's really about the content and not the container. In the marriage, in the story of the bridegrooms, he gives us a key. When we find that the new wine is low, go. To him that sells. Right? That's what it says. Isaiah 55. <laughs> Wherefore do you spend money? Because I got something free for you. Hallelujah. I've got something free for you. Come to me. And I will replenish. I will fill up. I will renew. Hallelujah. And I'll bring the container into a line with the content. In church, God is getting ready to those of us, and may we all be, to bring the container into line with the content and not just the realm in which we have known him or experienced him, but into the fullness of him. Hallelujah. Who fills all and all. Give the Lord our praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This is my prayer. Father, this morning, I ask you to pour rain on us. I ask you to open rivers in us. I pray for the breath and the wind of the Holy Spirit to enter in our lives in a fresh, empowering way. Anoint us with oil and fill us with your new wine. Refine and temper us with the Holy Spirit's fire. Send the Holy Spirit upon us, O oh God, in this hour and in this day. Hallelujah. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Start with intimacy. Find out the fullness of the Spirit. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.